I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine like the room you'd been in all day and that you were your most depressed in. How is that arousing? Mm. It's a really bad space. Oh, I want to have loads of sex in this room where I've just been crying, masturbating, <laughs> and feeling sad. We called this podcast "Yeah, but it's not simple as that" because we wanted to deal with questions that don't have easy answers. And when it comes to stuff around mental health and relationships, there are no easy answers. And yet, it feels like a kind of difficult time to talk about those subjects because it feels like there's been every relationship article that you could ever read and mental health has now become this like weird, brandy buzzword that everyone wants to do coverage on and talk about but no one's really saying anything that helpful. And we do need to talk about these things because with all this new focus and coverage on mental health, It's not got any easier for someone in a relationship where depression and anxiety play a big role. Or it's not got any easier for a girl being called a psycho or mad because some boy doesn't like her anymore. And so even though mental health is this huge topic which we're not even going to try and cover all of, we just want to focus on this one question about love and your mind, which is, can you love someone when you don't always love yourself? Because if you're feeling a bit low or depressed and you don't know if you can be there for your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you don't just want sort of nice platitudes, you want answers. And this week we're going to kind of get that with three very different perspectives. One of them is spectacularly honest, one very practical, and one's this radical new approach. Let's start with Emma. She's got some first-hand experience of this. Can you kind of explain what we're about to hear? Uh, no, but I will. <laughs> I will give it a go. Um, basically, this is me talking to my ex-boyfriend about one of the reasons we broke up, I guess, which was that we just didn't have sex for about six months because we were both freaking out too much. <laughs> and so, like, how much was your mental health affecting stuff at that time? It was kind of like the main, uh, the main issue. It was both of, both of us really. He. Um, don't think he'd mind me saying this but <laughs> uh, yeah I had quite just bad issues with anxiety and not going out 
a lot and conversely I was just quite depressed um and it also around the time I guess that we started not sleeping together um written this article about sexual assault which was something that I'd experienced just a few years prior um and hadn't spoken about it before hadn't told him about it before just hadn't really thought about it or realized it until that moment so that was definitely a factor in it as well how did you have this conversation like what did where did you go um we went to a nice place in london that i like to refer to as secret liverpool street uh which is ironic now that i think of it because that's uh where we accidentally went on our first date and where we met oh my god <laughs> which i'm just realizing <laughs> now <laughs> um you know how to set the scene yeah did you seem awkward did he seem awkward was it just fine uh no more awkward than we normally are as people we're quite comfortable with each other so that was that was all right afterwards felt a bit weird he said it felt like free therapy (laughs) i said i feel sick (laughs) yeah are you ready yeah i think so seems fine hi dean hello (laughs) um i'm just gonna i think we should just chat normally and not yeah. Say hello first, and then we'll just forward to it. Cause I, I don't really know what I'm gonna say. Oh, I haven't really mean? thought about it. Like I just figured it'd be easier if I didn't think about it and then yeah. I just sat down and had a chat. I think so. I get loads of validation and stuff from it, and then it wasn't as important for you. So there was like this like weird clash. I thought where like mm. I really needed it really desperately to like feel like worth worth something yeah. or something. Yeah. And then, yeah, so like not doing it made me feel really rubbish and then you just felt bad also for like not feeling the same way and it was just like this like weird, and then talking about it is good but then it's also just like such a mood killer <laughs> that then like, yeah, it was like a weird like yeah, it's cycle. Yeah, weird cycle. Of... So, yeah, so you... we needed to talk about it but talking about it was a turn off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I needed it too, and I do need it. Maybe only recently have I realised that I need it mm. to not feel like a piece of shit. But then, <laughs> but then with us, it was like I don't think I knew that then. Yeah. Or something. <clears throat> Can I just be as open as I want? Yeah. Okay. I guess like. <clears throat> And the thing that we haven't mentioned is that we we're both mad also. So that like, yeah. <laughs> so like I think <laughs> so that complicated things. And I think that like it do you just remember do you remember when I spent uh, a year inside? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're gonna get a job this week. It's like, yeah, yeah, probably. And I was just like in the house for like a year. That was the other thing, like the time, like our days were like so different. You just like so sit at home waiting for you, like yeah. a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Oh, it's bedtime now," and you were like, "Good night." <laughs> yeah, because I'd, then, like, I'd been there know? all day, and it was like, it's like the idea of like, like basically, imagine like the room you'd been in all day, and that you sort of faced your demons in, yeah, and like where you're most depressed in. How is that arousing? It's yeah, like, mm, it's a really bad space. Oh, I want to, I want to have loads of sex in this room where I've just been like. Crying, masturbating, <laughs> and feeling sad. Like that yeah. is so fucked. So in hindsight, yeah, it's like, how do you? Yeah. 
we really desexed that flat a lot. We need, yeah, <laughs> basically, I, I should have lived somewhere else. Yeah. Although, the time we lived together was some of my favourite time. Like, I yeah. loved that apartment <laughs> and I loved living together. Yeah. But it just wasn't conducive to good sex. Yeah. Like, as time went on, it just kind of got, like, more and more frustrating. Yeah, it's just like... Us, it was just like... Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah, just, I guess, like, expect when that thing that you said before about, like, you know, physically touching people and having to deal with them being there, it's very, like, it's, like, a much different experience and, like, the intimacy is something that you really struggled with. So, like, what, like... Yeah. How did it just make you, like, how did it make you feel? What was, like, um, was it unpleasant? Was it just, like, really anxiety-inducing? And, like, why? Yeah, what pretty was much. happening in your head? <laughs> um, I feel like at its worst, it's, like, this weird... It's kind of, like, this weird, like, rage. Mm. And I... It has nothing to do with you or anyone that I've ever been with. I feel like it's some weird internal shit. Yeah. It's kind of like this like thing, it's almost like, at its worst, there's this moment where I almost black out and I don't even realise that I'm like biting someone or, mm. or, or like, whatever, like, yeah. And then, and then there's like instant regret and guilt and like self-loathing. Yeah. And then, I don't know, you've... You saw me hit myself and stuff. It was pretty bad. It was yeah. like, I, yeah, it's just like self hatred and stuff. Yeah, it's like it's really hot, rageful anxiety attack. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I don't know. I feel like that's kind of. Yeah, because I think like the worst times it would be like something like that would happen maybe, and then you would get really angry, and I would just like have so many weird conflicting feelings yeah, about it right. that I would just like don't I would didn't know what else to do but I would just sit there and like cry and yeah. it was just like really it was miserable then like I would basically just get like really miserable and I just get kind of like not like comatose but I find it really hard to like I don't have any energy like I don't I definitely don't have any emotional energy and then at the end I completely like stopped being able to help you because when you would go through bad periods it was just lots of anxiety and like no, the, way that, the way that you dealt with it was like the opposite of how I would deal with it I like to just like I would just want to like lie there and not speak I place a lot because I place like so much importance on it and like I was just like oh no this is a disaster and I was just like place so much importance on on sex and like the fact that it was like missing or like became missing made me really sad like what sort of when you realised yeah and just like time just kept going on and going on and I just got like increasingly really sad about it um, yeah just it felt like it's that thing where like I can kind of like get on with stuff and just kind of just accept that it's a thing and like we had so much other good stuff that it kind of in a way was d d didn't feel it didn't feel like anything was missing it was just like I would then just randomly maybe like just see of people that I didn't know holding hands and then just be like oh <laughs> yeah and then I would I, get deeply sad about it and then it I would remind me that yeah that physical element wasn't always wasn't there as much as I would like it to be and then I realized how important it was to me where so we are and were so open with each other like to the point where it was just like 
sometimes really blunt and then I remember I don't know whether like you actually meant this but there was more the time where I remember you saying to me like there are so many things I would rather be doing than having sex and I was just like how dare you <laughs> like in my head yeah I have a habit of saying fucking stupid things <laughs> when I'm in a weird headspace <laughs> yeah I feel like that was just insensitive and cruel and sort of dumb because sex is good and it's one of the best things you can do and it's free <laughs> if it's with someone you love yeah um I don't think that you should be in a sexist relationship that's stupid yeah like it's very important and I yeah. feel like I've learned that since and like about myself like I need like I also need it everyone needs it it's yeah. like um I mean some people Stephen Fry doesn't but like he's a, he doesn't do it doesn't he's so. a spongebob spongebob <laughs> asexual anyway that's what I read somewhere. They're probably all asexual, Patrick and Squidward. Like yeah. But I've got to say, like, I found that kind of incredible to listen to. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that kind of conversation between two people before. Did it have, I mean, I guess one of the things that's surprising about it is that you talk about how uncommunicative you were <laughs> in the relationship and then you talk with such honesty and openness now. Yeah, I think, I don't know, generally, I mean, in retrospect, it's a lot easier to decompress things anyway. Uh, at the time, it just felt too almost like too frustrating and like we were talking about it too much, but just communicating the same thing over and over and over again and never actually getting to the root of the problem because it's like you had to break up first before either of us could unpack any of it. And I don't know if you can tell, but basically what we did when we broke up was just removed the sex, moved out, and then we became friends immediately. And so after having that conversation, did you feel personally like affected by it? Did you feel like, oh, I got a lot of clarity on things I didn't? Or was that just kind of part and parcel of how you, how you talk now? It is part and parcel, but I also did just feel a bit sad, really, because it did kind of bring to the surface that I'm probably not going to have that with anybody else. Like, it's a very, very unique relationship that I'm glad, but I'm just glad I still have it in some respects. Mm. And yeah, that's kind of it. Thanks very much to Emma and Dean. As much as anything, I mean, that's just really sad because they've obviously got such a connection, but it just couldn't withstand what was going on within their relationship. But is that inevitable in every single circumstance? Or are there things you can do that can prevent things like that happening? Well, the next person we wanted to speak to was Emily Reynolds, who's just written this book, A Beginner's Guide to Losing Your Mind, colon, How to Be Normal in Your Twenties with Anxiety and Depression. Because she writes a lot about this kind of stuff, relationships, mental health, and her view is, yes, there are steps you can take to make things easier. She spoke to Hannah Ewens. So say you're you're going out, you're dating, um, and you're on a first date with somebody. What kind of point would you suggest bringing up your mental health? I am personally a massive fan of telling someone like as soon as is 
physically possible. <laughs> so probably like, not like an opener on Tinder, like, hey, I'm depressed, but like pretty early on. Like when I was doing online dating, I would tell people before I ever met up with them. Uh, and when I like met people in real life, I would always tell them like definitely first or second date every time. Has it ever gone wrong when you've kept it back for a while yes extremely badly wrong which is why i do this um so one of my relationships when i was a lot younger i was like quite embarrassed about having mental health problems and kind of thought if i don't talk about it then maybe it won't happen again which obviously it didn't happen um but i didn't tell someone for like nine months maybe we were like in quite a serious relationship or as serious as relationship can be at like 18 and um <laughs> then he started like he went on this rant about like self-harm and like depression was like really selfish and like anyone who killed themselves really selfish and he talked about his ex who had got really depressed when her dad died and like the only thing he was concerned about was that she didn't want to have sex with him anymore and it was like obviously like really horrible to hear that from someone that I've been with for a really long time and I think if I told him a lot earlier he probably would have done the exact same rant but I wouldn't have had to hear it when I actually had feelings for him. Is there something like kind of difficult there though like I'm just thinking of myself, if I came out in my first kind of date with someone, I would be thinking like, I kind of hate that I'm making this a part of my identity to the extent that I'm having to say this on a first date. I think it's maybe about tone, like the way that you tell someone, like don't tell them as if you're like announcing some massive thing, like some sort of dark secret. I think just like saying it in like the most casual throwaway way as possible is probably the best way of dealing with that. So when you're in a relationship with someone, what do you think the best way is to go about helping someone with anxiety or depression? For me, I think like the most useful thing is like actual practical stuff. Like obviously emotional support and like being there for someone listening to them is really important in any relationship. But I think doing practical things like people with depression often struggle to like do the dishes or like open their mail, like really basic practical things. And I think helping someone out by like cooking them dinner or like going through their posts with them, like doing their dishes, just like really basic stuff can like really be a good way of, of helping them, I think. I mm. mean, it really helps me. But what are kind of limitations of that? Like I know when I get in relationships, my issue is having to pull back from allowing that person to basically become a caregiver. Yeah, I think that's a problem. I think as long as it's like a temporary thing. So like if I'm really depressed, then my boyfriend will do that stuff for me. But I think, yeah, as you say, it's like really important to have boundaries and make sure that that person then when you're feeling a bit better, like you do lots of stuff for them. Or like if you can't do stuff around the house when you're depressed, like try and make it up to them. It's sort of like, you know, like giving emotionally or whatever, just like, or like just saying that you appreciate them doing it. I think can like go a really long way and making it feel less like a carer when does it become something that's like like you're caring for them too much i think for me it's probably when my own mental health starts to suffer quite a lot and i think that can that can happen for people who don't even have like severe mental health problems like it can be like a massive emotional burden to look after someone all the time and i uh, think pe people don't really say it because it sounds like they like resent their partner or something but i don't think that's the case like i know it's like much more difficult to be in a relationship with me when i'm depressed than it is when i'm stable because i can't do most of the stuff that i can do when i'm stable when i'm depressed so I think when it starts to impact my own mental health, looking after someone else, that's probably when I'd have to say, like, I need this, I need this, and I need this from you. Or, like, you know, try and look after myself a bit more, try and, like, actively focus on myself a bit more, which I don't think is necessarily a selfish thing to do. So what would you personally do if, say, your significant other is, like, feeling really shit and going through a really tough patch with their mental health and you want to just go out and they're kind of like, I suppose they're being like, I need your help. And even if they're not 
actively saying it and mm. asking for it, you kind of feel that guilt, like you need to be there and not go out at all. I think, it, well, in like any relationship, it's really healthy to like go and do your own thing and like hang out on your own with your mates and stuff. I actually think it's even more important if one of you got, or both of you have mental health problems because like you say, you do feel guilty, you like feel an emotional burden. I think if someone is like actively having like a crisis, then obviously don't go and get pissed. But if they're just like experiencing a period of low mood, I think you can still go and do it. I think talking about it and talking about things that might upset them, like, you know, like amend your plans, basically, like go out and like come back a bit earlier or like keep in touch with them. I think there's like definitely a way to like work around it without like completely giving up your own autonomy and like your own time and fun and stuff if your relationship becomes a lot of like you staying in and kind of looking after each other or one person looking after the other, it almost becomes like you forget who you are outside of that mental health cocoon. Yeah, that that's the thing I talked about a lot in the book. It was like my therapist after a few sessions asked me like, oh, do you actually want to get better? And I don't think I did because my whole identity was around feeling depressed or being mentally ill, basically. I had like literally no idea how to operate outside it and like, I still struggle like when I'm feeling stable and stuff I still like am quite preoccupied with my mental health because I'm like oh sh shit like I don't know what to do like I don't know mm. how to be normal and I think that can be a massive problem that is exacerbated by relationships because you sort of like feed into each other's I mean I guess it's like codependency isn't it it's, it's you don't know what to do outside of that relationship basically yeah the relationship almost doesn't even work outside of that bubble because it is that is how you function. You don't really even know how to have fun yeah, and you, be well yeah. together. Yeah, sometimes you're like, what do normal couples do? Like, how do we do this? And then when you actually end up in that situation, you're like, oh shit. And you are worried, like when, when me and my boyfriend first got together, we were both like really ill. Then we both have got like steadily better. And I remember thinking like, oh shit, what if we don't actually love each other when we're not <laughs> mentally ill? And actually, luckily that hasn't been the case, but I think like it's a genuine concern. You're like, you don't know who you are outside of it. Um, and you worry that you don't have anything in common. Like outside of being miserable together. One question as well I was going to ask was how should you how should you respond when someone's poor mental health is basically making them be really unreliable or it stops them from communicating properly? Like for example, if they're like not turning up when you're going to meet them or they're cancelling on you on you all the time. I think with like a lot of things, there's definitely like a way that you can compromise. So if someone's get like, if I cancelled on any social thing, it's probably because I'm really anxious or I don't want to go, I don't want to leave the house at all. So I guess like trying to ask them why they're doing those things, if they'll tell you and trying to like come up with a compromise, like, oh, they don't want to go to the pub. Like I'll go around their house so they don't have to leave the house. Or also I think it's important to remember that mental health doesn't like automatically like make you a dickhead. And I think that yeah. when I look back at past relationships, and I've acted like an absolute twat. Like most of the time I've blamed it on my mental health and it's actually been nothing to do with my mental health at all. Like having a mental health problem doesn't actually make you like unreliable or mean or any of those things. And it was just me being unreliable and mean and then being like, oh, but, oh, it's my mental health. Um, so I think if you're the person that has mental health problems, kind of trying to like look in the mirror a bit and be like, which is which parts of this are actually me struggling with things and which parts of this are me not taking responsibility for shitty behaviour in a relationship, that can be quite useful as well. Come, like I say, this is someone that has done that a lot. Yeah, I guess this it's just such a nuanced thing because everyone's mental health is different, but it's almost like when we're talking about these things, there are one set of questions and answers where one of them's going through a short period, say, of depression and has never had it before. And it's 
perhaps tied to things that are going on in their life and another set of questions and answers for someone who is ill long term yeah I don't think there's like any piece of advice that is like universally applicable was like well as every relationship is different like every circumstance of mental health problems like manifest in different ways they make people feel and behave in different ways so I think it's important like when you're trying to like come up with a plan with your partner or like trying to talk about like your boundaries and stuff that you remember it's like completely individual and it's completely up to you and it's like completely you know like your decision how to deal with things and do you kind of understand if someone was like you know what mate you're really nice but I'm really stressed out and I don't think I can I I just don't understand about it I don't think that it's something that I can take on in a in a relationship I do think it's fair enough like if someone doesn't want to take it on like even if you're pretty stable like I do understand why someone might be put off um, there's like obviously there's like a lot of stigma around mental health problems and I've had people like on tinder or whatever say like the most ill-informed things but actually there is also aside from the like shitty stereotypes it is actually quite hard to be in a relationship when you're mentally ill or with someone who's mentally ill I don't think that that should be like a thing we shouldn't say because it's true um so I do get it if people don't want to put up with it or they can't deal with it themselves so when one of you or both of you are ill, probably the last thing that you're going to be able to do is have sex. I mean, poor mental health is really linked for a lot of illnesses to low sex drive. Yeah, and also a lot of antidepressants and antipsychotics and stuff basically like kill your libido. So what do you do if you're with somebody and they just don't want to have sex? I think like here is probably like a good time to like refresh yourself on like general consent anyway like if someone isn't doesn't want to have sex then you don't like pester them to have sex but mm. that's someone that you've like met on a night out or like your long-term partner um and i also think it's really important not to take it personally because like if someone's really depressed and they don't want to have sex that's not because they like suddenly find you repulsive or like they don't want to have sex with you they just don't want to have sex and a thing that i've heard a lot from like across the board from people who don't want to have sex when they're they're feeling depressed or whatever is that they want to want to have sex but they just don't want to have sex um so i think if you're a partner then probably try your best not to take it personally but on the other hand um if you are the person that doesn't want to have sex i do think it's important to kind of like reassure your partner and just say like you know oh i don't want to have sex because i'm too anxious or i'm too depressed or like actually explain what's going on and saying like i still find like explicitly saying i still find you attractive you know i'm like i still love you and being reassuring like i think you're beautiful i think you're hot whatever Thanks very much to Emily and to Hannah. And you know, like, I think that conversation is a really good starting point. And it kind of makes me think a bit about the future of this issue, which I hope is centred in political campaigning, that we can make it easier for everyone with every severity of illness to have those kinds of conversations and get further help if they need it. And so the last person I wanted to speak to looking to the future is Hannah Perry. She's a performance artist and her take on this is a bit different she thinks we need to challenge our stereotypes. She's not minimising the impact of mental health issues, but she's questioning whether what we think of as, I don't know, like acting psycho is actually something that needs to be dealt with or whether it's something that should be embraced. Withdrawing man and hysterical woman. Withdrawing man and hysterical woman. Withdrawing man and hysterical woman. You are a cunt and I hate you. You better stay out of my fucking way because if I see you, I'm going to fuck you up. Beyonce has hot sauce in her bag. In the video, she's holding a baseball bat which says hot sauce on it. 
This summary ex-wife is on for So it seems like the problem is that the woman has gotten hysterical when actually it's that the situation is wrong and it's the way in which you vocalise or deal with something. And then it ends up in this vicious cycle of like a, the withdrawing makes the woman hysterical, the hysterical makes the man withdraw. And I think that can be quite a vicious cycle sometimes. And that, I think, breeds this like, oh, she's a psychopath. Because, you know, the, the closing down and the being silent is seen as more logical, right? Because you're not, you're not actually saying anything or doing anything. It's, um, yeah. it's, there's not kind of anything to criticize there, um, except for, you know, and, and, and it's even dismissed that that's a problem. Still vivid and violent, always violent. It's not working, I'm sorry, please, let's get back together. I still love you, it's over, I promise it's not forever, forever is over, and I've met someone else. You're not rid of me, I'm leaving. This idea of like a psycho or hysterical or... I think that's come from like scared men being frightened by like women's like power or behavior. Yeah. Um, and their kind of strength or something. So then it's just a way to kind of like diffuse that, you know, just burn them at the stake. <laughs> Get rid of them. I don't love you anymore, but I'm insecure. Or do I? And am I? I don't know. I'm obsessed and repulsed, livid and fragile. I could cry daggers. I could have gone to your house and break the window as planned, but Charlie talked me out of it, and besides, you weren't there. If there wasn't a chance of it hitting you or your laptop, I wasn't interested. You say aggressive, I say assertive. Let's call the whole thing off. Damn, once you hate someone, it seems like everything they do, everything they say is offensive. Damn, chill, my status ain't even about you. Surveillance is, simply put, the observation and or monitoring of a person. Click on his dick and I grope you in a Facebook comment. Connecting with each other, which is all we really want to do. And this is the sort of manipulative behavior you want out of your life. That's a stereotype as well, you know, this idea of like not being respectful to women, not understanding how, you know, to be equal in a relationship. Like their stereotypes to which you can play up to as well, like grow. You know, it's just another, it's just the opposite end of the cliche. And it's yeah. boring. It's yeah. boring. And actually, like, you know, these things do need to be poked fun at because they are stupid and they're a joke. When I was making a lot of work and doing a lot of research around this, it was around the time that the uh, Beyonce album released Gemini. Sure. And I kind of felt like that's the, like a kind of like, you know, I mean, she, she hints that herself, you know, this jealous or crazy. I mean, what is it? Um, like, and I think that her whole, like, album was embracing this, like, her emotions, actually, and being like, no, these are my emotions, and I've got a right to be upset. The rest is silence. The rest is silence. The sound of silence. Yeah, but it's not as simple as that was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. I'm Sam Wolfson. We'll be back soon. The rest is silence. The sound of Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.